Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Free Association. Let me just adjust my volume here a little bit. That should be a little bit better. So, it's going to be a news clip show, this one. I'm going to try and keep it to about half an hour. So, it's fairly easy for me to do that because I don't like sharing news clips all that much. But, uh, sometimes it does have to be done. And I'm going to try and stay away from the conservative leadership elections that are going on because they're going to be going on for a month so there's going to be a huge amount of coverage anyway and I did say I would stay away from them on Saturday I'm going to try and stay away for at least a week and then maybe do a couple of shows just to update on what's been going on so what I'm going to do is, is play something that isn't doom laden so i'm trying to find something that's parody or something along those lines olivia newton john's died that's that looks like it's fairly big news here's a little bit of david starkey he's he's an interesting guy so let's start with him it's not this isn't comedy but it's it's interesting News from GB News. I think what we've really got to do is to examine the principles. Um, the two things that are very important. The first is, and you've referred to it briefly, the nature of the Kingdom of Benin. It is one of the oldest, the most organized of African kingdoms. It is, of course, based fundamentally on slavery. It, it was at the absolute center of the slave trade, capturing the enemies of the kingdom and selling them on, especially to Portuguese, to Arab slave traders for export. It's as simple as that. So the, the notion that there is some sort of moral virtue there is nonsense. The second thing is, hmm. and this I think is much the more important, these bronzes, when they were in Benin, were largely, if I, I imagine, entirely unknown outside. It is the fact that they come to the West that turns them from objects of an obscure religious cult, which, as you say, could involve human sacrifice, into art objects. The notion that these things are art is a complete Western invention. It's only once these objects are in museums, first in London and then throughout Western Europe, that a few years later, remember, this is, look at the dates you've been talking about, the late 1890s. This is the moment at which modernism is beginning to bubble up through the surfaces of the Victorian world. And it will explode in the works of Picasso and whatever, who take these things as deliberately anti-Renaissance, anti-realist, anti-Western art, and they build on them. So the idea that these are great works of art is incomprehensible within the context of Africa. It makes sense only within the context of the West. And I think we can again go further because you've made the comparison with the Elgin marbles. You've also forgotten, you haven't of course, <laughs> time to say, there's also the whole history of Egypt and the Rosetta Stone. Mm. What's going on mm. is, and what we are forgetting is, 
and I'm going to say something that's even outrageous, Mark, for David Starkey. We invented the idea of not simply empire, we didn't so we didn't invent the idea of empire, we invented really the idea of history itself. These places had no concept of history. Clearly, somewhere like China did and somewhere like Japan did. But for most of the world, the very notion of history, of culture, of art is itself a Western invention. These things, the bronzes, were cultic objects. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Elgin marbles were completely ignored. The idea of Greece is a British and German invention. It was a satrapy mm. of the Turkish Empire, of the Ottoman Empire. These things were treated with simply contempt. It is the bringing of those extraordinary sculptors to London that leads to this explosion of interest. You can actually see it within a few years of their arrival in London. You have the internal decorations of the newly built Buckingham Palace modelled on them. There's this extraordinary yeah. frieze in the uh, in the actual uh, throne room of Buckingham Palace that shows English history remodeled the light of the Elgin marbles with centering on the marriage of Henry VII to Elizabeth of York in bizarrely sort of Greek fashion. So do you see what I mean? The, the, the idea that yeah. these places had a history, that we robbed them of it, is preposterous. It was yeah. simply the bringing of these objects here and the study of them that creates yes. the notion of a Greece. I mean, even the notion of Why a culture, then? let alone the notion of a culture. And the same is true with the Benin Vases, and again the idea of art, and even more so with Egypt. Do you know what the Rosetta Stone was used as? It was a corner of a stable. No. It was a piece of rubble. Right. No, you're absolutely right that the very idea of a building where uh, civilizational artifacts are displayed and studied is a Western concept. So why then are we so mired in self-loathing, particularly after something like this punitive expedition, that we feel it is the moral thing to return these to a kingdom that no longer exists? And indeed, to a country which is falling apart and is permanently falling apart, and heaven knows what will happen to them when they go back. Look at the fate of the antiquaries that were in Iraq, um, the, the fate of those that, that experienced you know, the, 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 the Taliban, and so on. Um, the, mm. <laughs> the idea, I mean, you didn't even mention the word, the very idea of a museum, the very idea of artifacts mm. telling us about the history, the culture, the past, the different ways of living is an entirely Western notion. That's right. There we have it. And a building, of course, consciously built in imitation of Greek architecture, as was reinterpreted and mm. re-understood. If you look at the buildings in Greece uh, in the early, in the late 18th, early 19th century, they they are Ottoman hovels. If you want to see the development of the ideas of Greece, as the, the whole notion of ancient Greek literature and so on, it's essentially a Western phenomenon. I mean, what we're doing is, and I think I would, you, you, you and I have played with these ideas before, we're dealing, the idea of sending these things back is fundamentally part of our repudiation of our own culture. It's part of our repudiation yeah. of our own culture, our own history, and above all, our own, and this is a terribly German 
Hegelian phrase, world historical importance. These things were yes. invented in the West, particularly between London and Paris. All right, that's David Starkey. He's a, he's a historian with some, some points of view. Very interesting guy. A little bit more of GB News. What we've seen is this sort of top-down style of government, this sort of groupthink approach to policy uh, emerge over the last two years. It's actually been growing longer than that, of course. It's been growing for decades. But um, it, it's now starting to gain a huge amount of momentum under COVID. And we saw the same things here. We saw what we were called our, our chief health officers who were in each state the head, you know, the sort of of the, of the Anthony Fauci's of each particular state, if you like, um, spouting the same wisdom over and over again with no basis upon which to do so. And in fact, I, I sought information from local versions of that saying, well, you know, tell us the science this is based on. Of course, the science was not null and void. So we're seeing this sort of expertization of politics, which is actually just politics in itself. It's really just politics overriding science. It, it, it's almost become endemic. Mm. It's also anti-democratic because one of the one of the common features of this is that uh, legislatures became less important over the last few years. Oppositions didn't really want to oppose vigorously. In many cases, they agreed they just wanted more of this stuff. Uh, yet, we notice common things now around the Western world. You have excess mortality in Australia, as they do in many European countries, as they uh, do in the United States. And yet, the media is still in March 2020 mode and doesn't really want to investigate any of this stuff. We've seen almost no investigation of this, and it's a common complaint for me here. In fact, in Australia in the last four months, we've had something like 8,500 excess deaths over and above the normal baseline average. Now, that represents about 16.8%, which is pretty common across the Western world. Yeah. And yet there has been almost no commentary about that. Um, it, it's been this incredible period of, of fear-mongering, and the fear has led to people happily sacrificing their liberty at the, uh, the altar of safety, if you like. And... You know, in Australia, we've, we've seen a similar thing across all of our states. Each state parliament has effectively handed over power to the bureaucracy. Here in my home state of South Australia, we did that for two years under the guise of a so-called emergency. Yeah. Uh, and what really that equated to was the bureaucracy taking over the reins. We had, you know, public health officials and the chief police officer calling the shots on almost everything. Um, you know, it, it's, it's sort of bizarre, but what the thing that really alarms me is that COVID is the beginning of that. We're seeing that same model rolling out now from this so-called declarations of climate emergencies all over all over the Western world. Um, I think that model is going to be repeated. The, the, the sort of the, the politics of, uh, of emergency and the emergency direction is the greatest danger to democracy in 2022. You made a, uh, an interesting point with respect to the Commonwealth Games, uh, where it turns out that a, uh, an Australian cricketer has uh, basically been allowed in to infect the entirety of the British Isles. And you pointed out that this was in striking contrast uh, to the treatment of a Serbian tennis player when he wanted to come to Australia. So there's no consistency about any of this stuff, is there? Well, no, there never was. I mean, the, the decision to not allow Novak to come in really 
I mean, it just wasn't based in scientific fact. And, and now we see the dial shifting and we have a Commonwealth Games athlete uh, who was allowed to play despite being COVID positive. And, you know, she, I think the Australian team won the gold medal, which is a good thing. Um, but in the pre- in the meantime, uh, there's been all these reports about wearing masks instead of isolating and all this sort of thing. You know, the dial seems to have shifted here. And so, you know, we're seeing things in yeah. South Australia and Victoria and New South Wales that, 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 that six months ago would have shut the state down. But now all of a sudden... You know, X number of cases doesn't seem to be a big issue. So what happened to the science? You know, was it the case all along that science was just about politics? I think that's what we're seeing. There you go. I want to stop the clips there, I think, for a little bit. I just talk for a few minutes because it's, uh, it's a tricky thing to get the balance right between playing this stuff and getting into the the geopolitical stuff and the um, science fiction dystopian stuff and and staying positive and finding a way to get through life really it's a tricky balance it's not an easy balance to to strike there's a thin line there and uh, I've I've taken a little bit of time off I'm going to do less dystopia and more comedy, I think. I'll still do the geopolitics, but it'll be less dystopian because it's just, it gets too much. It just gets too much. And and then you've got to stop for a month, take a break and reassess things and come back with a different approach. And that's that's what I've done is in essence. Although the, all the shenanigans in... Downing Street took over for a while. After that, I've, I was just burned out after that, I think. So I need to find a way to do this that's sustainable for me, which might be three shows a week in the end. It might just be saving the clips and doing three one-hour shows instead of do, trying to do six or seven half-an-hour shows. So maybe three one-hour shows is the way to go. I don't know. I haven't made my mind up yet. I've been planning over over the course of the weekend a way to use the Roadcaster Pro in a show that's that's got movie clips in it. So an, a movie quiz or something similar is what I've got in mind. So I can do up to 64 clips. And potentially, if there's an audience for it, and if we can get four or five people, five or six people into the, into a chat room here, or a chat room at Revolution Radio, then I can do do a movie quiz, and people can just pick a number between one and sixty-four, and then we'll play the clip, and we can have a conversation about the clip. We can do a bit of dystopian science fiction that way, without it being heavy and without it being um, overbearing and and just uh, keeps the end of the world out of it and makes it entertainment. So we can talk about it as as an entertainment rather than talk about it as a real thing. And it just abstracts it a little bit. And I think that's the way forward. Certainly for me is is entertainment around, built around the dystopia. So I did have an idea for a music show at one point that I was going to, build around 
technocracy. And that might still happen now that I've got the Roadcaster Pro 2. That might well that might well happen. Uh, I've got to find enough music that's suitable. But there's there's some around, and I'll I'll not be able to post it here, but I could post it on Mixcloud, where the music's already paid for. So that would work. And I could post potentially post the movie quiz on Mixcloud as well. So they're getting exclusive content there, uh, but it's here live. So that would work, I think, in its own way. So that's kind of my plan. And I've always got plans, and some of them happen and some of them don't. But that's that's the way that I'm thinking at the moment. It's the way that I'm thinking. And if I can, if I can get... So let's start with 16 movie clips because 64 is a lot. It'll take me a while to get 64 clips together, but I can get 16 together or 8 or 10 or something along those lines and then see how how we get on with it. I might even do that tonight, thinking about it. It might be something that I could do tonight, although it's, it's half past 10 now, so maybe not, maybe tomorrow morning. If I wake up enthusiastic tomorrow morning, then that's what I'll do. And if I don't, then I won't. Uh, I'm waiting for word about a job, so they were supposed to let me know today, and they haven't, which I assume means that I that I haven't got the job. But whatever, it's all uh, it all is what it is. Ultimately, you can only do the interviews and be, do the best you can. All right, I'm going to call that a night because I'm, I don't want to go back into clips after that. Uh, so that's enough for now. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you again tomorrow. Maybe I could do shorter shows. Maybe I could do 20-minute shows instead of half an hour because this was quite easy. Two or, three, two or three clips and then five minutes of me talking is relatively easy. It's no, there's no stress involved. I can do that off the top of my head. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just do 20-minute shows instead of half an hour. And it still works out at 6.20s. That's two hours worth over a week. Plus the Saturday shows an hour. So it's three hours of content still. So that's not too bad. I might just do that. I'll give that a try this week and see how it works. Well, that's it for now.